This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another week. This week of Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. It's always great to be with you. And if you're new, thank you for joining me. Hopefully, you'll find a voice here, a refreshing voice of a Muslim who's honest, straightforward and ready to take some ownership for the need for reform within the Muslim consciousness. And if you are uh, listened before, I hope uh, to touch on some things uh, this week that you just won't hear anywhere else. Um, we're going to talk a little bit today about Obama's final failure speech, or I'm sorry, farewell speech, and a little bit about the... Uh, Confirmation hearings, especially on Attorney General, uh, appointed Attorney General uh, Sessions, and uh, Mr. Rex Tillerson from ExxonMobil, who is up for confirmation this week uh, for Secretary of State. And then I want to walk you through a little interview I did with a uh, international um, Arab station, El Hurra, on ISIS and what's happening in the Middle East, and walk you through some of the questions. I think that's a good framework for us to talk about some of the solutions, what's happening with radicalization. And last, that little gem in the last segment, I want to save a story that broke this week that brought home what we've been calling here from the beginning. And we talked about this story last year, and we have a little epilogue for you. And sadly, it wasn't covered in a lot of media. So first, President Obama gave his final failure speech. And this uh, failure speech went on and on an hour long earlier this week about all the things he claims to have said he was going to do, and he by golly did it. Yes, health care, yeah, that was an accomplishment if you believe in socialized medicine. He did that, but then... He seemed to be, you know, I have to tell you, no matter how propagandist he wanted to be, the fact that he could not take 30 seconds to even admit that the lives lost in Syria, the genocide committed under the watch of Ambassador Power, the woman who literally wrote the book on genocide that would not happen under her watch, The fact that half a million people died at least and are more are dying yet as the next president and administration takes over. The fact that 12 million are displaced from only from Syria, let alone the impact on the global jihad that the Syrian revolution has had. And the power and influence that Russia has taken in working now much more closely with a vicious regime that's tied at the hip with Khomeini's 
with the Khamenei's uh, Islamist theocracy in Iran and the arming of Hezbollah by Iran via Russian money, Iranian money globally to the world's greatest state sponsor of terrorism. That is all thank you. Thank you, Mr. Obama, to his desire for the nuclear deal. No, he didn't mention the nuclear deal at all. Didn't really get into foreign policy at all. He went home to Chicago to give that failure speech where he said it all started. And it all ended. Thank God for our Constitution that has term limits. Because what's bizarre about the American psyche is that this guy, despite failing in almost every way, is leaving with a high popularity rate. And again, I think it has to do with people separating personality of what they view as a likable, authentic president versus actual leadership and policy and demonstrable ability to effectuate change domestically and abroad. And I believe that President Obama, history will show, was able to do none of that. So, Mr. Obama, your hope and change across the world gave way to fear and paralysis. Your hope and change, after eight years, became fear and paralysis. And I guarantee you that time will show that Americans are far more fearful than they ever were. And you know, there was a tweet that Chuck Todd said as the speech ended. And Chuck Todd said, what a statement, what a statement on our democracy, he said, that in the remarkable moment that POTUS feels the need to use his farewell address to remake the case for democracy, not just for the world, but for the U.S., yeah, that, that, that is remarkable, Chuck. Chuck Todd's the anchor on Meet the Press on Sunday mornings on NBC. Yeah, that is remarkable that he's lecturing us about democracy. Yes, we have our faults, and it's been a bizarre election season. And as all of you are faithful listeners know that uh, I was no fan of Mr. Trump. But, or could it be? That Obama was so grotesquely negligent regarding the protection of our values abroad and the advancement of liberalism and freedom and protection of the values that we believe in. That democracy as an ideology was set back so bad that all he could do was lecture our own here in America upon his departure. Yes, that is the reality, Chuck. It's not about the fact that Mr. Trump has upside-downed the entire electoral process. Yeah, there's been some visceral responses, and we have some growing pains to make, and we're on edge as to what's going to happen with a Twitter presidency and all the other things, but seriously, our democracy is in peril? What's the evidence of that? Trump hasn't even taken office yet. He hasn't even taken his oath. If you look abroad, 
There's not one iota of evidence that the United States stands for anything. Genocidal maniacs are using chemical weapons 40 to 50 times in the past few years, along with the support of what used to be the major, another major superpower, without any sense of fear. No, who's in fear are the free citizens of trucks driving through uh, loaded Christmas markets, of bombs going off in, 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 in baggage-carrying areas. Uh, there is the way of life of, as we understand it has changed. It is because of the global. It is because of the global threat of jihad, the global jihad that has sprung almost seemingly eternal from the Middle East because of the vacuums of the Arab awakening and the lack of advocacy for freedom. The fact that America does not stand for anything anymore. And no, he should have at least, for, for, for the love of God, why did Obama spend five minutes saying, you know, humbly, I, I, I thought about there was the, the, the greatest regret I have for my eight years is that I could not do anything in Syria. It was a paralysis because there were no groups to support. He could have said so many things to try to salvage, but this guy just does not give a damn. Doesn't give a damn about what happens in the world and the impact on our country unless it's related to some socialist leftist agenda like climate change or the spread of socialism or collectivism. And he will work with other collectivists like Islamists who believe in one version of Islam in order to spread the influence of his ideology. Oh, and he promises us that he's going to continue to be active citizen Obama, different than other presidents before him. Well, bye-bye, Mr. Obama. We will not miss you will hopefully grow out of our fear and paralysis that you left us telling us that we would have hope and change. Among many other groups, I know there are other interest groups out there, but I do believe that Syrian Americans especially, regardless of party, will not forget this president's negligence, this president's incompetence when it comes to doing anything to prevent the genocide in Syria and the unraveling of a country at the doorstep of Israel, our faithful ally in the Middle East, the only democracy in the Middle East. <laughs> As he finished his speech, I guarantee you the Organization of Islamic Theocracy, the OIC, leaders were, cheer were cheering and crying that he was leaving because there was nothing that allowed them to be more free to impugn and... and oppress their citizens than an Obama presidency. King Salman, Supreme Leader Khamenei, Erdogan, Hamas, Qatar, al-Sisi, the Islamic, the Islamist dictators said takbir at the end of his speech like they do when a loved one ends his reign. Yeah, I will not miss Obama. I don't believe he did anything to protect freedom. He never even knew the name of Rafe Bedoui in jail in Saudi Arabia. 
If he did, he never mentioned him, despite multiple pleas from organizations of journalists, of human rights activists, his family, and so many others. President Obama just did not care. He played more rounds of golf than any president in modern times, into the 350 and more rounds. I can't even find the time between my medical practice and this activist work for Muslim reform to play one round in the last five years. Now, Mr. Obama, this was not a farewell speech. It was a failure speech. And your celebrity status and your ability to continue to maintain high opinion ratings because you did not do tough interviews on issues, but rather went to Jimmy Fallon and uh, Ellen DeGeneres and the celebrity pop stars. And sure enough, yes, your negligence gave way to the Trump presidency, and we will have to deal with it here. And I'm sure you're going to be singing at home suckers as you saw what you left us. Yep, I'm a bit emotional, but this president left us with a bag of you-know-what that we have to deal with, with security, with with divisiveness, with the power of Islamists and their lobby from around the world and their global jihad, with the situation in the Middle East that's unraveling and continuing to unravel. It's just horrendous. Well, only a few days away from a new administration, probably with new problems, but at least some of the principles will begin to shift towards a cabinet that's appearing more and more conservative and in line with American values. What are those values? I think there's two, there's two appointees I want to talk to in our, about in our next segment. One is Senator Sessions, who I believe, and I wrote a letter, deserves our full support. And the other is Rex Tillerson, who may end up being a, a very good Secretary of State, but as I've said before here, I have a lot of reservations about. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This, and I'll be right back. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. Breaching the fault lines of today. The Blaze Radio Network. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. the fault lines of today. This is Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to Reform This. Thank you for staying with me and I hope you're hearing a voice here that gives you some information, gets you updated, gives you a uh, fresh look on some of the uh, deeper central issues that uh, relate to national security, interfaith work, And I think the greatest threat to peace and existence in the 21st century, which is the global jihad. And the end of the global jihad will only come after Muslim reform. And that's why we are reforming this. What is this? Well, every week I try to look at some of the things that need reform and also look at the lens through 
the swamp in Washington and, and figure out what they're doing to try to affect policy. And there's no bigger shifts that can happen than the shift that's happening these few weeks between the Obama administration and now the incoming Trump administration. And we won't talk about every cabinet post, but I do think there's two that come worth noting. And one that immediately came to my attention was not only, obviously, the attorney general, which runs the Department of Justice and has significant influence upon homeland security and the protection of the U.S. Constitution and our rule of law in the United States and also our rights, our rights as minorities, our rights as human beings, our rights as American citizens, and the protection of our families from criminals who need to be brought to justice. So I would tell you that I was very pleased with Senator Sessions' appointment. There's a lot to be pleased about, and I want to talk a little bit uh, with you about what my experience with the senator has been. And I, I did testify to a Senate subcommittee earlier last year and had a, a wonderful interaction with him that I think is very apropos. But the reason I weighed in this week publicly on the Sessions' appointment is, sure enough, being spread by the Council on American Islamist Radicalization, CARE, and uh, the uh, other Islamist groups, the Muslim American Society, was a letter from Mr. Kazir Khan. Khan, as you know, was the Pakistani-American that decided to give a speech at the Democratic National Convention, which should have just been left alone, ignored, but instead Mr. Trump decided to weigh in on it, criticize him, what I felt to be at the time inappropriately, and sort of made him into a bit of a star for the left. And yes, his family gave the ultimate sacrifice, which was the death of their son in the Iraq-Afghanistan war. And God bless them for that sacrifice. And I think that is a story that can teach our children quite a bit. But since that time, Mr. Khan has gone on to become a regular, regular contributor in the public space, in the political public space, as a Democratic Party advocate, as an advocate for the party, not an advocate for an issue, but an advocate for the party. Not only speaking from the convention, speaking in commercials, raising money for Islamist groups that use Muslim minority issues— in order to gain prominence and attack the right. And certainly all of us, in order to get our ideas out there, will weigh in in the public space, and often that ends up being in the partisan swamps. So yes, I, I know we all participate in that, but anyone who looks at our American Islamic Forum for Democracy will know, make it obvious, it's obvious there, that we are dealing in issues. Our mission statement is to protect the U.S. Constitution, Bill of Rights, and freedom through the separation of mosque and state. And that is ultimately how you defeat political Islam and the Islamic State identity. Kazir Khan then writes a letter this week to the Senate Judiciary Committee, both to Chairman Grassley and Ranking Member Feinstein, 
in which he goes on ad nauseum about Senator Sessions' racism on his inappropriateness to lead the Department of Justice. He then says as an American Muslim, he felt compelled to tell them that it would be the end of American legal strength and purity if Senator Sessions as a racist was to run it. This is the type of letter is being put out on behalf of American Muslims. And sure enough, it was sent out and distributed by CARE and made every American Muslim feel that this man was going to become the end of our community's rights and abuse the protection of our civil liberties. He then went on to cite everything from climate change to God knows what else and saying that Mr. Sessions was not fit, including issues regarding abortion rights, women's rights, on and on, which I just don't get how he can bring in the Muslim community into all of the issues that he lists in his forsaken letter to the Justice Committee, Judiciary Committee of the Senate. So I felt compelled to respond. And in that response, I told uh, Senators Grassley and Feinstein that I asked them to enthusiastically confirm Senator Sessions that as a Muslim, former U.S. naval officer and the son of Syrian political refugees who escaped to the U.S. in 66, they instilled in me a love and devotion for this Constitution and that I believe Senator Sessions will be the one who can defend that. And if he doesn't, we'll call him out on it, but I do believe he will. And that Islamists will do anything to find an opportunity to spread false fears of the impending victimization of American Muslims in order to derail conservatives. And that they won't miss an opportunity. Muslims are ideologically diverse community, and other Islamist grievance groups do not speak for all of us. Senator Sessions told me publicly in the hearing in which I testified. He said, Dr. Jasser, I remember during the civil rights days, national TV networks, maybe they were atheists, maybe they were Jewish, going into churches in the South, sticking a camera in the face of a white preacher and asking them, can an African-American, can a black person worship in your church? church? Yes or no? This was a difficult question. And it was very tough, but I thought in retrospect that kind of challenge caused people to realize that their position was untenable and could not be defended in public debate. And that's exactly what I was calling for in the letter that our reform movement sent mosques. We want them called out for their treatment of women, treatment of gays, treatment of minorities within their mosque, their beliefs on the severing of hands for stealing, on the inequality of men and women in their votes and court systems, uh, the freedom of speech and their imposition of blasphemy laws, the belief that Islam as an idea has rights versus human beings have right to criticize or even ridicule Islam. So Senator Sessions was voicing an agreement he then said, in the Islamic world, and the, Muslim, and the Muslim religion is a great religion. Millions of people follow its doctrines and don't believe in these things that need change. So 
So to believe that Senator Sessions is a bigot or anti-Muslim or a racist is simply unfounded, and, and there's no demonstration that there's any evidence of that. But Mr. Khan, you know, listen, his protected status, any criticism of, of his son or his family is absurd and, and should not be part of this conversation. But just like Cindy Sheehan, who then took her own activism, and we all have things that motivate our activism, pain that we suffered in our lives that motivates us to do what we do. And that should not and does not have to be at any time part of the conversation. So I think after his first speech and then weeks after weeks of commercials and other things, at some point it's time to address the fact that Mr. Khan has become the spokesperson and embodiment of the Islamist movement in the United States. His answers about Sharia being benign, his answers about the Islamic State being a democracy, as he told, I don't know if it was the Today Show or one of the CNN programs, is absurd. And it's deception, Islamist deception. So I'm, for one, I'm t- sick and tired of Kazir Khan representing American Muslims. And the letter I sent the Judiciary Committee, I hope, shows them that we are a diverse community. We do have many different opinions, and we will not be represented by one individual and their Islamist organizations and bevy of grievance groups that he raises money for, and on our behalf speaks for us as the whining minority. So, Mr. Sessions, I look forward to his appointment, his confirmation, and I hope this letter stands to show Americans that, you know, listen, we're going to hold Senator Senator Sessions as AG accountable to our Constitution. If he ever goes south of that, if he decides to start shutting mosques uh, or doing any of these fear things that uh, Muslim registry, etc., that he denied, if that happens, I'll be the first one to line up and criticize him. But it's complete nonsense. None of that has been said. It's all fabricated fake news (laughs) from the Islamists. When we come back, I'm going to talk about the Tillerson confirmation hearings and then that interview about the current state of affairs in Arab media. Zudi Jasser on Reform This. Breaching the fault lines of today. This is Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. On the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. The Blaze Radio Network On Demand. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. It's great to be with you. And we're talking about how will the lay of the land change with some of these new cabinet picks. 
We'll see. The confirmation hearings were supposed to uh, bring out a lot of the issues and either reassure us or make us more worried. They thought the Tillerson hearings were going to be controversial, and I have to tell you, I was a bit disappointed. I know that uh, he's getting rave reviews for most of his answers, though I think while some were slick, uh, the CEO of one of the largest corporations in the world is going to know how to respond to grilling in Congress. But some of the issues I think that remain unanswered are questions that I tweeted about uh, during his hearing that few asked. And hats off to Senator Rubio. Uh, I think that uh, he was right on point on asking a number of questions. I think he left some questions on the table. But, um, you know, I do believe that, you know, when it comes to Mr. Tillerson, uh, there's no question he's a patriot. There's no question he's a capitalist. But the problem is, is that his approach to the Middle East, you know, he was asked about whether Vladimir Putin was a war criminal. And I think that... Ultimately, his responses about Crimea, about some of the aggressiveness of Russia and Putin especially, were reassuring in that uh, he was a bit less dovish when it came to criticizing Putin. It was obvious that he felt that uh, they did not share many of our values. I had wished he had said they share none of our values. I had wished he had agreed with Senator Rubio and Senator Rubio asked him if he was a war criminal. Yes, Putin is a war criminal. Now he said he needed intelligence and all that kind of stuff. You know, listen, when we know there are Russian troops in Syria, we know that Russian jets are flying over Syria, they are working tandemly, in tandem with the Syrian military, which is committing crimes against humanity on a daily basis. So whether you can tie any particular bomb into hitting a hospital or women and children or schools from Russia, just the fact that they are working hand-in-hand to suppress an internal revolution within Syria with the Islamists of the theocrats of Iran and with Hezbollah, all of that should have been articulated by Mr. Tillerson and his answers, but they were not. And that doesn't reveal his hand as Secretary of State. Come on, he's talking to the American people in these hearings to reassure us that he will be an advocate for freedom, not only inside our borders, but across the world so that we can regain our credibility that Mr. Obama tossed aside the ship. And I was not reassured. And I'm concerned. You know, one of his responses, uh, he was criticized by Human Rights Watch because he equated the Muslim Brotherhood movement with Al-Qaeda and Hamas and ISIS. Well, in some ways, obviously, as you know me, there is a direct connection, a conveyor belt between nonviolent Islamism or political Islamic movements and violent Islamism of Al-Qaeda and ISIS. It's only in levels of extreme and the means by which they will get to that same ends of the Islamic State and the Caliphate. But I will tell you, on the other hand, 
What echoed in his response was the voice of King Salman, was the voice of the king of Qatar, was the voice of the monarchs in the Middle East, the petro-Islamists who say they're against the Brotherhood, uh, who, as Dubai declared, care, the Council on American-Islamist Radicalization. They declared them to be a terror group and the Muslim Brotherhood. Now, some of that is based, obviously, in fact, but they're not a terror group. And I will tell you that just as the Nazi Party in America and the Communist Party are not outlawed because of their radical beliefs, as long as they're nonviolent, and as we learned in Brandenburg versus Ohio, as long as there are no imminent threats, the Supreme Court said, as long as there's no imminent threats of violence against specified individuals, people have a right to say it in America. Our First Amendment is quite open, and I think that's good. It allows us to monitor these groups and prevent them from going over underground and expose the antiseptic of sunlight. Dictatorships like the Middle East have proven that that does not work. And that's why Saudi Arabia, on the one hand, dishes out the Wahhabi material like the arsonist and then claims to be the firefighters as they say Al-Qaeda and the Brotherhood are their enemy. Well, yes, the viral grassroots Islamists want to take over the corporate board of directors Islamists. And I think Mr. Tillerson was echoing some of what he feels that his royalty friends that Exxon worked closely with as Tillerson's portfolio as he rose to CEO while at the final years was lifted by his friendship with Russia and their billions with gas and oil. Initially before that was his close relationship with Qatar. So I didn't hear an intellectual case that connected Petro-Islam with the global jihad. An initial case I wanted to hear today or this week in his hearings and discussion of tellers. And I wanted to hear him connect the organization of Islamic cooperation and these governments with their Islamism, their Sharia states, that the flavors in which their Sharia states come should not reassure us. I wanted to hear him call out the regimes in Saudi Arabia. And Robio did ask him about that. He asked him about whether Saudi Arabia is a human rights offender. And he couldn't give a completely black and white answer about that. It's one of the worst offenders on the planet. And Mr. Tillerson could not. And to tell me that has nothing to do with his oil interactions, and that's not... Shades, now yes, he's a capitalist, but you can't tell me that the blind eye, and listen, the Bush families had the same problem with this, and many of the American oil families and companies that have worked globally with these petro-Islamic regimes might claim to be our friends over there, but they don't share any of our values of human rights and the integrity of every soul under God and equality. They don't believe that. Those Arab dictators believe that the people are their slaves. They don't have property rights. The oil is their governments and not the people's. And I don't know if pressed he would have answered that correctly, and that's why I wish he had been pressed further. 
But the sad thing is I don't think Mr. Tillerson knows who Rafe Bedoui or Walid Abu Khair, his attorney, is. These courageous advocates and brave souls for free speech that are sitting in prisons rotting in the same governments and cells in the prisons of the governments that are handing our oil companies billions and working with them in the, in the global setting. So that was disappointing. But I did hear from Mr. Tillerson that, yes, he is a patriot. I never thought he wasn't. Yes, he will stand proudly and not make excuses for America. That was reassuring to hear from him. But I hope he will hold those countries accountable. And I hope conservatives will remember how critical they were of the Clinton Foundation for its obsequiousness and subservience to the Qatar Foundation and the Saudis for their sickening millions and millions that they bought the silence of the West about their evil inhumanity that they do in their own countries and their anti-Westernism and anti-Semitism. We need to call them out. In the last segment, when we come back, I'm going to share with you that little story that is going to punctuate an end, punctuate an end to this story that we thought was absurd from 2016. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. The Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. I'm willing to put in there that I love blood sport. And I have to tell you, if I had known that Trump celebrated blood sport in this way, we're such a fan, I would have been like, America, it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. He loves blood sport, which is Jean-Claude Van Damme's best movie. So fun to watch. Um, probably on Netflix or something. Check it out if you want to. Uh, you know what? Endless high kicks from what I've seen on the street myself. Not a good idea, team. Not good. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to the last segment this week of Reform This. It's always great to be with you. Thank you for spending time with me. I hope you got some information here in our podcast that you just don't get anywhere else. Perspective that you don't get and some insight that you can take on to the water cooler to your friends and spread the wealth. So, you know, there's a story here. I've been being a little coy about it uh, to, to keep you in suspense. But you may remember the clock boy Ahmed? Yes, he and his family shook down the United States of America in this episode in which he took his so-called experiment into school and the 14-year-old Ahmed, now 15, Ahmed Mohammed, was embarrassed because his box of wires was immediately taken aside and suspiciously thought to be a bomb. It was scanned, he was pulled aside, and he felt discriminated against because of his name, because of his heritage, because of his faith. Next thing you know, he's sipping shy with the uh, heads of Google, talking about how they hope he works for NASA. He's visiting NASA. He's even invited to the White House. Now, by the time he got to the White House, 
He never really made it to the photo op for the president because enough questions had been raised to begin to wonder that the jig might be up. But then he goes on to meet with the war criminal Bashir, the head of Sudan, and does what was clearly an OIC Organization of Islamic Cooperation funded tour since he visited the OIC's offices and ended up in Qatar. They offered him a scholarship. Surprise, surprise, he ends up being the Council of American Islamic Radicalization. Poster Boy was given their annual award, I think in 2015 or 16 last year, as the Muslim of the Year. Oh, sure, the grievance boy whose family exploited him, whose dad was involved in political campaigns abroad. So they claim discrimination. They then leave the United States and bolt to Qatar because he just couldn't live here anymore. And then they have the temerity to file a lawsuit against the school district in Texas and Irving, against Fox News, against... Glenn Beck against a number of different folks that they felt had discriminated against him. Center for Security Policy, on and on. And this week, Judge Moore ruled within the end of the day that the lawsuit would be thrown out without, with prejudice, which means they can't bring the complaint back in another court. The American Freedom Law Center, and hats off to them, they filed for dismissal of the lawsuit, and uh, their attorneys uh, argued that this was part of a slap process, which is the strategic lawsuits against public participation in order to intimidate into silence those who might comment publicly on the connection between jihad, terrorism, sharia, and Islam. You know, listen, I might disagree with some of the folks in this lawsuit on other things. We, many Americans in our own families, we disagree. But at the end of the day, this lawsuit was nonsense, and it should have punctuated, even gotten 1% of the coverage of what the clock boy got globally in media across the Middle East about how Muslim kids are discriminated against. This lawsuit was thrown out of hand. Was thrown out out of hand because it was nonsense. Thank God. This guy was exposed. His family was exposed. They were a sham. They were exploiting the system. And groups, grievance groups like the Council on American Islamic Relations, or better, radicalization, used them in order to keep America on the defense in their civilizational jihad, in their war on our culture. Thank you, Judge Moore, for dismissing this case. No thank you to the American media for not covering this dismissal, this demonstration that there was no case for libel or defamation for a family that then bolted and abandoned their American citizenship to start with. Seriously? I mean, 
these people wanted reparations for security of in a war in which women and children are used as suicide bombers in a war in which normal vehicles turn into slaughter machines seriously and where's the media in covering this it finally gets thrown out and is proven to be a sham the head of google hollywood white house president obama the entire folks that listen to this kid as a victim need to be exposing his parents as tools of the Islamist movement globally. But that won't happen. Nope. It won't. Just footnotes uh, to take off. But listen to our my podcast last year, please. If you have a moment, look it up. Clock Boy. <laughs> You'll find that I, we called it here. Yes, it was a sham. It was obvious. It had a lot of problems with it. Yeah, you want to believe there's some issues. But, you know, listen, there we need to deal with our real problems. If the best way, yes, there's some bigotry against Muslims that exists out there. But the best way for that bigotry to go away is for Americans to see us leading reform. It's time for us to lead the reform and then the bigotry will melt away. People like this clock boy don't deserve awards. They should be made into examples as Judge Moore did in that courtroom. And stop wasting the time of American patriots who are trying to keep us safe. Sometimes they miss the mark, yes, but it's up to us Muslims to help them keep the target on political Islam and not on our entire faith and not on, on, on Muslims in general, but on Islamists and their ideologies. In the last few minutes, I want to close the discussion on Mr. Tillerson. I think he'll be a good leader. I think that ultimately he looks like he's going to get the appointment. I did try to reach out to my senator, Senator Flake, uh, who I've talked to on a number of issues over the years. But unfortunately, I wasn't able to talk on this one. I saw he put out a statement in glowing praise of Mr. Tillerson. I think Mr. Rubio, Senator Rubio, approached it uh, a bit more critically with some of the issues I was concerned about, but I fear that Mr. Rubio will, I don't know, we'll see. Should his appointment be blocked? Uh, I don't believe I had enough airing of the issues I'm concerned about to say that. I am concerned about how close we are to Russia. I get it that it's better to have communication than none. I'm more concerned about Petro-Islam and how even if he divests and separates any economic interests, how if the Petro gas tank in the Middle East tanks in the income they make, if that will impact ExxonMobil and how that will impact the kleptocrats in the Middle East and thus some of the kleptocratic tendencies that can exist in our domestic capitalist corporations that are intertwined with kleptocrats like Russia and OPEC. I don't know. We'll see. We'll hold them accountable. Our city on the hill will survive. American patriots, in the end, will do what's right. And... It's always an amazing, amazing time to see what's happening on the world front. And uh, I think we have, uh, when we do this program again, 
we will be welcoming in a new president of the American of the United States of America and uh, wishing him our best. He is my president. He is your president if you're an American listening to this. And we hope that not only will our city on a shell shine, but we will return back to being the last greatest best hope of mankind for those who believe in freedom, who share our values and believe in universal human rights. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This. Thank you for joining me. And I did, I know I told, I promised you I was going to go over that interview and, and do that interview about ISIS, about the Middle East and solutions. Tune in next week and we'll talk. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.